Uh, you know, now we are in uh, the third Sunday of Advent, the Advent series, uh, season for uh, centuries. Christians have looked at this season, these four Sundays uh, before uh, Christmas Sunday, as a time of celebrating the, the waiting that occurs as we expectantly wait the arrival of Jesus Christ. And you know, here we are in 2018, and we are not uh, simply celebrating the first advent of Jesus. So we're not celebrating the first coming, the first arrival uh, of Jesus Christ on the, on the scene. Yes, this is Christmas season. Yes, this is what we talk about. Yes, this is the uh, conflict within our own lives as Christians to celebrate Christmas. But uh, more than that, we are celebrating that Jesus is returning. Uh-oh. I am celebrating that Jesus is returning. He is coming back. He is coming back. We know He is. We look forward to it. We look beyond this horizon for the coming, the advent of Jesus. And we are in this season uh, again as the church of Jesus Christ, as those following after Him, where we are expectantly awaiting His return. So here we are again in this Christmas Advent season, remembering again that Jesus is Returning. I, I was doing some reminiscing about Christmas. This is the season to talk about and remember uh, and to uh, experience PTSD over uh, some of the best and worst Christmas memories, right? Do you have good memories growing up of Christmas's past? Uh, do you have bad memories of Christmas's past? If you have bad ones, I want to know about them. Now, only if they're funny in their badness, okay? Uh, we were, I was probably in 10th grade when we were growing up. I was growing up in South Carolina, Spartanburg, South Carolina. And uh, it was Christmas Day, and we just f- almost finished as a family the, uh, the segment of our day where we were opening up presents. You guys like opening up presents? It's okay. Can we, can we admit that it's fun to open up presents? Okay, six of you. That's good. Uh, I love opening up presents. If you want to bring me some presents, I, I, will, I will go crazy. It's okay to like opening presents. It's also great to give presents uh, away. But here I was as a 10th grader, and uh, the four of us in our family, are, we're just finishing. My mom, my dad, my sister, and me, my younger sister, uh, and, and me. And I was trying my best as the mature older brother, 10th grade year, uh, trying not to be absolutely uh, on my face offended at the fact that my sister had already received more gifts than me in that time together. Okay, there's good laughter. So some of you have dealt with that yourself. Good. I was seriously, I was trying to be the mature uh, Christian young man, trying not to let it show on my face that inside I am upset. I did not get in that Christmas, up until that point, I did not get the big gift. Did anybody get the big gift every year? Like you got a bunch of stuff like socks and underwear, but then there was something that you know, okay, this is what, this is what they've been waiting to give me. This is the thing. And it was usually the last gift to open. Well, there, there's no more gifts for me under the tree. There, there was only one more gift up against the wall uh, in the house. It was wrapped. It was a large gift. I had already checked it out. It was heavy, which meant it wasn't for me or my sister. Uh, it had to either be some kind of a kitchen appliance gadget type of thing or something for my dad's shop out in the garage. It had to be something for one of them, and they both knew what it was, and we were all going to have to go, oh, yay, great, mom got dad a new table saw, or mom got, it was we were all going to celebrate, and it was going to be goofy. 
And I was trying in those moments not to be offended that I hadn't had a big gift and that here we are at the end of this time and I had to be satisfied with whatever underwear I'd received up until that point. (laughs) So I'm doing my best to put on my good face. And I was waiting for them to point at that gift and give it to each other, my mom or my dad. And my dad did this thing that my dad is famous for doing growing up. He looks over at the gift up against the wall and goes... And then he looks at me and he goes, it's for you. Well, I was trying not to let on that I was offended in that moment about not receiving some big gift. And now I'm being blown out of the water that this gift that I couldn't lift by myself was for me. You can imagine how embarrassed I was. And in that box was the weight bench I couldn't believe my parents got me. And a full set of weights that turned that 10th grade wimpy kid into the muscle-born pastor you have before you. Yeah, they laughed in first service too. What a surprise. Boy, what a surprise to a 10th grade kid who really thought his parents blew it that year. That was one of my favorite Christmas presents ever. A total surprise. Not something my mom thought through, but my dad knew what a gift it would be for me. This morning, I want to look at a passage of scripture. We, we talked about it a little bit during our worship time this morning. Part of the scripture was read for us by the worship team. Thank you, Crystal. Uh, But it's a story about the surprise uh, that Mary received from the angel Gabriel. And it's found in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. We're going to talk about uh, the surprise of Christmas, the surprise of Jesus, and what the surprise of Jesus meant to Mary. The situation was, her situation was radically altered. So too, are we here today radically transformed at a surprise we can be prepared for. Luke chapter 1, uh, you can follow along uh, in your own Bible or on the screen or also in the Bible app. If you just search for Bible, the first app that comes up in both of your uh, stores, your iPhone store or your Android store, uh, find the Bible app, search for Hyde Wesleyan Church, you can follow along that way. Here's God's word from the New Living Translation. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Will you bow your heads with me? Lord Jesus, add your blessing to the reading of your word. Challenge 
our hearts and our lives today through this and all of Scripture. Would you awaken in us a desire to remember the surprise of Jesus today and to be overwhelmed at the reality of what we've been given through grace? Challenge our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There's three realities that I want to focus on for just a few moments this morning. First, Mary. Mary in this text, in this narrative, is she's confused. She's confused, but God is with her. Uh, Very simply, Mary is confused, but God is absolutely with her. Verses 26 to 29 give us that part uh, of the story. She's confused. In verse 29, Scripture says she's confused and disturbed, trying to think of what the angel could mean. I love this passage of scripture because some of the most profound and pro, uh, uh, profound and powerful realities are seen between this interaction between Mary and Gabriel. The truth of the matter is, Mary is, uh, by all matter of speaking, she is an average lady before. God's messenger, Gabriel, delivers this message. She's from a nowhere kind of town. She's engaged to be married to an ordinary, normal kind of guy. Nothing special, nothing storybook-like about her upbringing or her future pursuits. Mary's not uh, on the list of contenders for being someone special in the world's understanding. She's not on the list of people who would uh, be known for uh, being considered the ones, the mothers of kings. Is it any wonder that in verse 29, as the angel appears to her, that her first initial response is one of confusion and being disturbed? Let's be honest. If an angel of the Lord appeared to us out of nowhere, we'd be a little confused and disturbed. Maybe here in western Pennsylvania, we'd be loading some shotgun shells. Yeah? And we we would be a little bit taken aback. We would be uh, facing this kind of reality and we'd be a little overwhelmed. I I love the reminder from this narrative that in Mary's life and in our life as well, God is an interrupter of the normal. His plan is bigger. His plan is greater. His plan supersedes any any plan that we have of our own. His ways are not our ways. We read that in scripture in Isaiah 55. Mary in this story and in in the way this story goes is confused and disturbed. Uh, Other translations like the New International Version say she's perplexed or, or she's troubled because of the reality that is changing around her in this very moment. And yet, the first words of God's angelic messenger reveal God's heart. Mary, the Lord is with you. I know you're confused. I know you're disturbed. I know you're overwhelmed. But heads up. God is here. God is with you. God has a plan. God has a a way. God is at work in this way. And God's plan in this narrative, in the way the story goes, God's plan includes using a confused young woman to birth God in flesh. The Savior of the world. An ordinary woman would give birth to our Savior, King. In our lives, have you ever been confused? 
You ever been facing a situation that you didn't plan for yourself? You ever, you, you ever look around you at the reality and you just can't make sense of it? It just doesn't line up. It just doesn't go with what you think your narrative should be going along with. You, you wanted to lay low and God has other plans. You wanted to uh, hide out, but God is asking you to interact with this church, with this people. You wanted to go about the business that your family had planned for you. You wanted to go in a direction that you thought was the best. And God had other plans. You ever been confused? The reminder from this first part of our story this morning is that even in confusion, we don't have to imagine that the world is just spiraling out of control and God has lost his way. In fact, even in our confusion, God's plan may be coming to fruition. It may mean that God is about to do something great, perhaps even great through the likes of us. Are you thankful this morning that God uses ordinary people? Are you thankful that God's grace is not reserved for the elitists? Are you thankful this morning that Jesus offers his love, his salvation, grace that wipes away a multitude of sins for the likes of us? The second reality in this scripture from verses 30 to 33 is that Mary is afraid, but she's favored. She's afraid, but scripture says she is favored. Verse 30, the angel says, don't be afraid, Mary, the angel tells her, for you have found favor with God. And then he goes on into details of what's going to happen. Have you ever, like me, your warped pastor, you ever considered what Mary's posture is in these moments? You ever thought a little bit better than Hollywood's best attempt in, in these moments? I, I really believe that Hollywood, uh, in, in their interpretation, in their trials, have always made Mary so, so much more meek and mild than I want her to be in these moments. As she interacts with Gabriel, she's just in awe. I, I want to see her, like, grabbing a vase to beat him up with. This un, uh, uninvited visitor shows up at her house. He's glowing. I don't know if he's glowing. It's not in Scripture. He shows up. He's an angelic being. He's Gabriel. He's God's messenger. And he starts to tell her some crazy stuff. The Scripture says she's afraid. Gabriel's like, hey, 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 I put that shotgun down, young girl. Don't be afraid. You are highly, you have found favor with God. Maybe it is that she's looking for something to throw at Gabriel. And he's like, hey, hey, don't be afraid. Uh, maybe her face, like Hollywood does, is just showing fear in its best attempt. Maybe she's running. But Mary is afraid. The reality is she is afraid. And fear is a, an obvious, real reaction that Mary herself is experiencing right here, right now. It's a legitimate response to her visitor, to this newfound reality that is being unfolded in, in front of her. But even in her moments of fear, the angel's reminder is overwhelmingly comforting when he says, you have found favor with your God. You have found favor with God. What better reassurance does Mary need in these moments to rest to know that God is with her, that he sees something in her, that he is smiling down upon the likes of this ordinary lady. If you're a parent this morning, you've said don't be afraid to your kids about a million times, 
right? Fear is a natural, uh, a positive thing in many senses of the word. I, I can't tell you how many times I've been in the water of a swimming pool, treading myself while one of our children is standing on the edge of the pool or standing even better on a high dive. And you know what I'm saying? And there I am in the pool, treading water, telling them, hey, don't be afraid. I'm proud of you. I, you can do this. You got this. Trust me, I'm your dad. I won't let anything bad happen to you. I've got you. Trust me, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The mantra continues on and on and on. My voice attempts in those moments to break through the terror of the reality that either one of our kids has faced in those moments as they look into a pool of sure terror and death. And they hear dad going, come on, there's nothing to it. That's exactly what's happening here too. Mary, don't be afraid. God's in this. God's got this. Jump into this. God's got a plan. Trust him. Mary is afraid. But she's favored. The reality for us is that sometimes the things God calls us to will be and have been absolutely terrifying. But he's with us. He's our perfect dad. He promises if he calls us to jump into the pool, he's not going to have to say, oops. <laughs> now you know what it's like to go underwater. He's got you. He promises to be perfect in every way, to handle whatever life throws your way and my way. God's got this. He loves you. He gave you life and breath. Does it mean we're not going to face any of life's storms? No, we will face scary stuff. But the truth is, God is with us. God is present. God has favor for you. Third, the third and final reality from this text this morning is that Mary is skeptical. I see some skepticism showing up. But in the end, she's willing I see here in the text, verse 34, that Mary goes into this, whoa, 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 wait a second mode. Right? Verse 34, Mary asks the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a, how do you say, I'm a, I'm a virgin. This doesn't make any sense. Mary's pulled calling into question uh, Gabriel's understanding of the birds and the bees, right? She's like, hey, hey, you said all this stuff's supposed to happen, but um, there's some things that are supposed to happen that you're saying are supposed to happen, but other things haven't happened, so this can't really happen, and I hope you understand what I'm talking about. Wait a second. This can't happen. Wait, wait, wait a second. This, this isn't how the plan, a plan like this has to follow a certain logical understanding. Mary doesn't understand the how. She's a bit skeptical. She's wondering in this moment how her present circumstances are going to play a role in this incredible plan that is being laid out for her in these moments. If she's like my wife, she's reaching for a list, a blank sheet of paper and a pen so she can begin to put down all the things that have to come to pass, all the things that have to figure out before something like this could ever happen. But even in her skepticism, even in her moments of, what? Gabriel explains a bit more of the miraculous ability of God. 
And I love her response in verse 38. It should overwhelm us. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you said about me come true. In that moment, with a phrase like that, she's signing the contract. She's signing. She's saying, I'm all in. I I believe that God, I, I know this doesn't make any sense. I know that this doesn't add up on paper. This isn't even possible. But if God wants this to happen, I am willing. She knows what God is capable of here. She knows that his ways are not her way. She knows a bit about what it means to rest in God's ability. And she is a wonderful example to us. Go back to the pool. Be that four-year-old son standing on the edge of the pool with his goofy dad swimming there in the deep end saying, come on, don't be afraid. I got you. And that four-year-old little boy has thrown rocks into water. And what does a rock do in water? Goes to the bottom. And so the dad thinks things through and says, come on, all you got to do when you jump in, just start thrashing about. You'll be fine. Just kick your legs and move your arms and you won't go under. Process that as a four-year-old now as an adult. Thankfully, our kids both jumped in and experienced the freedom that comes with now diving down to the bottom of a 12-foot hotel pool and picking up quarters. You have two, probably. Some of you are scared of water. I'll make fun of you later. You know the freedom that comes with jumping in. Mary, here, skeptical that treading water is even possible. She's not seen anything like this before. The four-year-old son on the edge of the pool has never seen anyone just jump in like that. It can't be possible. Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. My Ezra says, all right, Dad, you're an idiot. (laughs) And finds a newfound freedom in trusting his dad. Mary experiences something altogether transformational. I think it's true that God may surprise us with what he wants to do in our life, but the first step is being ready on our part, ready and willing to let God do what he wants to do in our life. We call it faith, right? Trusting God blindly, understanding that God's got the best plan us and saying, God, if you want to do something that confuses me, something that causes me fear, something that I don't know that you really can do, if you're calling me to something confusing, fearful, or that I'm skeptical of, I am, we repeat the words of Mary, I am your servant. May everything you want to do through me come to pass. After Thanksgiving, in our calendar, in our life, in our lifestyle, we count down the days until Christmas, right? We start talking about it more frequently. We start making more plans. And often in the hallways, maybe at Walmart, I don't know where you've had this conversation this season, but you're like, can you believe Christmas is here again? It's like it happens this time every year. We get surprised again and again by Christmas creeping in on us. But guess what? Next year, December 25th, it happens again. You can plan for it. 
We get surprised by things all the time in our life. And the question for us today is, what do we do with the surprise of Jesus for us? We should be prepared and not taken by surprise of who He is. Celebrating the birth of Jesus is a good thing. We do it or celebrate it every year. But again, remember from two weeks ago, surprise, Jesus never told us to celebrate His birth. He told us to celebrate his death until he returns. So what does the surprise of Jesus mean for us today? The reality is Jesus, Jesus' own followers were surprised that Jesus died on a cross. Right? A thief's death. A criminal's persecution and death. They were surprised in those moments. Jesus' followers were surprised in three days when the tomb was empty. Scripture says some of his own followers are going to be surprised when he returns. The question for us today is not, are we prepared for the birth of Jesus, right? We, we've been working on that for months, putting up lights, purchasing presents, remembering the reason for the season. The question instead should be, are we prepared for the risen and returning of Jesus? Hyde Wesleyan Church family, if you're confused, if you're ever afraid or skeptical, I want you to know those three characteristics, according to our narrative this morning, God can do incredible things through. It's okay. It's okay to be confused, afraid, and skeptical. God is who he is, no matter how you feel, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter your characteristics, the reality of what you're facing. God wants to use the confused, the fearful, and the skeptical for his glorious purposes, if we're willing to be faithful to his call. We're going to transition in these moments and partake of the Lord's Supper together as a way of celebrating the gift of Christ's living, death, and resurrection. Listen to how the Apostle Paul tells the early church in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm going to ask our pastors to come forward and help. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. Paul writes these words. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. And he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, Jesus took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. This morning, Hyde Wesleyan Church, if you're a believer, the Lord Jesus has come in to your life. If he is Savior and Lord of your life, you are welcome to partake of these elements, small wafer, cracker, and grape juice. Symbols of the reminder 
of the body and blood broken and spilled for you, so that you may receive the gift of grace. In just a moment, we're going to bow our heads. We'll pray together and we'll prepare these elements. And then here's the directions. As you feel led, after you've examined your heart and sought the Lord in these still moments, please consider stepping up and coming to these uh, outer two aisles. We'll have stations right here and right here. And after you've received the bread and the juice, you can return on the outside back to your seat. We take a moment, ask the Lord to reveal in your heart any area where there is an inhibition in your life. Ask him to cleanse you in the powerful name of Jesus. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you for these moments. Thank you for these symbols of your body and your blood broken and spilled for us. The powerful reminder of who you are and what you offer to each of us through grace. Would you please receive our thanksgiving for the powerful gift you offer. Lord, would you allow us to worship and to receive again this day your gift of grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.